pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Come out of our mouth. 
And if we learn to use this power rightly, we will live a better life because of it. You know, I can remember coming up as a child, I always had to be careful with my words. Especially in front of my dad. My mom was more graceful. She let us slide. But I was raised in an Italian family, and they were big on respect and honor. Especially with elders. You just didn't smart off to an elder. And, uh, you know, you walk in a room where an elder is, and you said hello, or you greeted that elder. You just didn't come in, pop down, and stick your nose in your phone. Mm-mm. That phone would have went somewhere else. Now, <laughs> don't get me wrong, now, some, some Italian mafia, they'll put some cement boots on you and send you swimming in the river, but they'll do it respectfully. <laughs> and we were raised to say things like please, and yes sir, and yes ma'am, and thank you, and no thank you, and may I be excused from the table. In other words, we were raised to have manners, and don't get me wrong, now, my dad loved us, but he didn't tolerate disrespect or dishonor of any kind, and especially towards an elder. And uh, some of that rubbed off on me. Some of it rubbed off on my brother, you know, and uh, you can ask my kids, if they, if I'll be talking on the phone, if they get a little bass in their voice, I hang up on them. He called back and said, we got disconnected. I said, no, we didn't. I hung up on you. I didn't like the tone of your voice. <laughs> but, if I had a smart mouth and was disrespectful, uh, especially to an elder, my dad would knock me into the middle of next week. Now, I'm, you know, we didn't get spankings, we got backhands. And uh, correction was immediate and instantaneous. And there was, none, there was none of this, wait till I get you home, or wait till you, uh, your father gets home. There was none of that. I mean, it was swift and decisive. And I remember one thing that straightened me out in school was uh, the teacher threatened to have my parents come to school. But I wouldn't mind if my mom came to school because I'd, I'd get a break and I'd slide out of that one. But my dad told me that if he ever had to come to my school, he's going to light me up in front of the whole class. And I'm telling you, that jerk the slack right out of me. And I want you to know my dad never had to come to school for me, because I know he would have did. But anyway, you know, and I'm not saying that this type of discipline is right. I don't approve of it. You know, I spanked my kids. And I gave them warnings and things like that. I never surprised them with a backhand or something like that. But, uh, and so I'm not saying that's uh, a correct way to discipline. I'm just saying that's the way it was with, with us coming up. And, uh, you know, nowadays you got all these fad diets and, you know, the keto diet and the phalo diet and the Weight Watchers diet and different ways of losing weight nowadays. Well, back then we had the Italian word salad diet. You smart off, say the wrong words, you get your jaw wired shut, and you lose 30 pounds a month, month eating through a straw. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11 says, For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Yeah. And that's how it was in my house. If I wanted to enjoy happy days, I had to watch my mouth. Amen? And then he says, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace 
and work to maintain it. You know, when you find peace, you've got to work to maintain it. You've got to keep that peace. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, he said that a tree is identified by its fruit. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. He said whatever is in your heart, he was referring this to the heart. He was using an, an analogy for the heart. And he's saying, whatever is in your heart determines what comes out of your mouth. A good person produces good things or good fruit from the things that are stored in a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things or evil fruit from the things that are stored in an evil heart. But then he said this, every one of us will be judged and given account for every idle word that we have ever spoken on judgment day. And he said our words will either acquit us or they will condemn us. Not him, our words will acquit us or condemn us on judgment day. So we should be careful with the words that come out of our mouth. Amen? Amen. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, you don't have to turn there, you just write it down. God said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death. He says, I want everybody to know that I give you an opportunity. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So he gave us the choices, just like he did Adam in, in the garden. He said, there's two trees. You have your choice. But if you eat the one, there's going to be a consequence. And here he's saying, I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he even tells us what to choose. He says, choose life. Choose blessings. So it's a choice. We're not puppets. God doesn't arbitrarily decide who he's going to bless and who he's going to curse. And, and we aren't supposed to just walk around wondering what God has for us on this earth because he told us specifically in his word what he has for us. He told us what his will is in his word because his word is his will. Yes. And it's all written in the pages of the Bible, but we first have to learn what belongs to us by reading the Bible, and then we have to choose to walk in them and enjoy them. That's our choice. We can choose to walk in them and enjoy them, or we can choose to disobey and not enjoy the things that God has for us. But we have to choose the life or death. We have to choose the blessings or the cursings. And how do we choose? Proverbs 18, 21 told us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love us shall eat the fruit thereof. We make the choice between death and life, blessing and cursing, uh, by the things that we say or the things we allow to come out of our mouths, and then we eat the fruit of those choices. You, you ever heard you'll reap what you sow? Well, you're going to reap what comes out of your mouth. And our tongues, or the things that we say, give us direction. They direct our lives. And James said our tongues is like a horse's bridle or the rudder on the ship. And just as they give directions to the horse and the ship, our tongue gives direction to our lives. And that's why it's so important we choose words of life and words of blessing. And, and speak them and them only from our mouths. Mm -hmm. Look at James chapter 3, verse 2. I want you to turn there because we're going to spend some time here in James. James chapter 3, verses 2, we'll start with. This is in the Amplified Bible. 
James says, for we all often stumble and fall. All, every one of us stumble and fall. And offend in many things. In other words, we mess up, we make mistakes, we say wrong things at times. And then he says, and if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man who's able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. In other words, this is a man that learned how to control his body, his fleshly desires, and he also learned how to curb his nature. He, he learned how to behave. Amen? And the truth is that we've all missed it at times. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. Yeah. And we all said things that we wish we hadn't. And we've all said things that we wish we could take back. But you can't. Once you let that word fly, it's out there. You can't just grab it and bring it back. You can apologize, you can say you're sorry, you can ask forgiveness for what you said, but it still made its mark. It still landed somewhere. And if it was offensive, it offended somebody. If it was hurtful, it hurt somebody. And even though you apologize and ask forgiveness, it still hurts. Amen? So the best thing to do is learn how to keep your mouth shut. Learn what not to say and not say it. But anyway, in, in this uh, passage of Scripture here, in the last part of the verse, James says, if you, control, if you can control your mouth, you can control your body and your entire nature. And I want you to know that's a powerful, powerful statement, what he just said there. If you can control your mouth, your tongue, you can control your body and your entire nature. See, the tongue can be controlled. A lot of people think it can't. And you know, it says that uh, James even said no man can control the tongue, or no man can tame the tongue. But he's not talking about you taming your tongue. He's talking about you taming somebody else's tongue. That's not your job. That's their job. Amen? But you can tame your tongue. You might need some help from the Holy Ghost, but you can tame your tongue. You can control your tongue. And, and, you know, you're in charge of every word that comes out of your mouth. You're responsible for it. And I've heard people say, you know, make all kinds of excuses and say, well, I didn't mean it. It just slipped. I couldn't help myself. She made me so mad, I just, it just came out. But it boils down to this. Either you're lying or Jesus is lying. And guess who I'm going with? Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, Every one of us will give an account for every idle word that we've ever spoken. And he said the words we speak will either acquit us or condemn us. Didn't he say that? So would he hold you accountable for, the, for words if you couldn't help it? If you couldn't help speaking, if they just slipped out, would he hold you accountable for them? Absolutely not. He won't hold you accountable for something you can't help. But he says he'll hold you accountable for every idle word you've ever spoke. Why? Because you can't control them. Or he won't hold you accountable. But you know what? You can uh, control your tongue if you want to, and, and we should, but the tongue isn't the real problem to begin with. Remember he talked about trees and fruit, and good fruit and bad fruit, and where it comes from, and good fruit comes from good heart, bad fruit comes from a bad heart or evil heart. Well, uh, 
Luke recorded it just like Matthew did, except Luke added something at the end of what Jesus said. And in Luke 6.45, you don't have to turn there, he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. That's pretty much what Jesus said in Matthew's account, or the way Matthew recorded it. But then Luke added this. He says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And we were told to guard our hearts because out of our heart come the issues or flows life out of our hearts. And so you may not have wanted to say certain things, but they came out anyway because they were in your heart. And so instead of concentrating so hard on uh, that little unruly tongue of yours and trying to control it, maybe you should put more effort into cleansing and purging your heart of evil things. Because if they're not in there, they can't come out. You know, Jesus, uh, uh, Proverbs was talking about going down the wrong street where the prostitute lives, you know. And then she bats her eyes at you and she got these colored lips and she purses her lips and all. And it's a temptation to you. But the real thing is, what are you doing on the street to begin with? If you weren't on the street, it wouldn't be a temptation. Amen? So rather than you worry about what comes out of your mouth, worry about what goes into your heart. And purge your heart of the things that don't belong there. And you won't ever have to worry about them coming out of your mouth. Dean James translated this way. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, the mouth is going to speak what's in your heart. And I like to say it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. And, and, you know, because if it's in your heart, sooner or later it's going to come out. But you know what? It's uh, A lot of times, God will allow somebody to get under your skin to cause these things to come out of your heart. Or come out of your mouth. But they're coming out of your heart because God has given you a chance to purge your heart. See, once it comes out... You say, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. No, it came out of your heart. So now God's giving you an opportunity to purge it, apologize for it, ask forgiveness for it, get it under the blood, and get it out of your heart, and keep it out of your heart so you never have to worry about that coming in, coming up. I mean, you know, uh, you got a problem with certain somebody, sooner or later you're going to say something about it. Why? Because you're holding it in your heart. Get it out of your heart. Go to that person. Ask forgiveness. Or tell them how they offended you. And see if they'll ask for your forgiveness. But one way or another, get it settled. Get it out of your heart. And move along with your life. Amen? You might as well do it because it's going to come out sooner or later. And it's usually going to come out at a time when it's not so convenient. But anyway, it's like going in your pocket for a $20 bill. You can wear your pocket out reaching for that $20 bill, but if you never put one in there, you can't take one out. And that's the way it is with the heart. If it's not in there, you don't have to worry about it coming out. If it's in there, get it out. And the best way to get it out is in prayer. Get it out before God. Ask God to search your heart. Ask Him to 
cleanse your heart, purge it, show you the things in your heart that don't belong there. And he will. And if you do that voluntarily, you can get that under the blood in prayer rather than in front of a crowded room when it slips out. Verse 3 in the Amplified James. If we set bits in the horses' mouths to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. That little bit that you put in his mouth, you can turn that big, powerful, thousand-pound horse any direction you want him to go. You can make him go forward, you can make him stop, you can make him go back, you can make him go left or right. Why? Just that little bit controls that horse. You pull to the left, he goes left. You pull to the right, he goes right. You pull too hard, he goes straight up. And I rode horses enough to know that you can't put a collar on him like you do a poodle and lead him around. He'll jerk you all over the place. But if you put that bit in his mouth, you can control him and get him to go wherever you want him to go. But the bit gives direction. That's James' whole point here. And then he says in verse 4, Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman or the captain determines. In other words, that ship goes in the direction that the captain turns that wheel. And ships are big and winds and waves are strong. But when you have control of the rudder or the wheel and you have control of the rudder through that wheel, you can control the direction of that ship even in the fierce winds and even in the waves. See, a horse wants to go in a particular direction or, or do a certain thing because he has a will of his own. He's got a will, and you've got to break that will or overcome that will with your will to get him to do what you want, and that's what that fit does. Mm -hmm. But a ship has no will. It don't know what it wants to do. It don't care. But you're in charge of that ship when you're at the wheel. And even though the winds and the waves are trying to drive it, uh, you can still direct that ship. And it's, you know, putting a bit in a horse's mouth, directing the ship by its rudders, are all examples of overcoming or controlling both your inside desires and outside circumstances. So James is saying it doesn't make any difference whether there's something inside of you or it's outside circumstances that are trying to drive you, like the fierce winds drive the ship. He says you can control them both. He's got us covered. Amen. Amen. But apply this to your own life. The problem may come from within. You know, a stubborn, resistant will, or maybe the lust of a strong flesh that's driving you and getting you to do things that you know are wrong. Or it might be outside forces coming against you like symptoms of sickness or uh, maybe you got fired from your job or laid off or some kind of adverse circumstance like a bad doctor's report or something like that. But either way, the principle still holds true. James says that whether it comes from your inside or comes from outside, you can control it yourself. Inside and out, you got control. Isn't that good news? <laughs> Take some excuse of it. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. <laughs> you did it because you wanted to. You know, even Jesus had to, had to yield his will, his inner, inner being, 
He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to get whipped and crucified. And he said, he had to pray through. He said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. So Jesus' will was different from the Father's. And sometimes our will is different from what the Word tells us to do. But what do we do? We have to yield to the Father's will. Say, not my will, your will be done. And so, uh, if Jesus had to do it, we certainly going to have to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's what submission is. You just submit your will to the Father's will. That's what humility is, too. But, you know, the... Uh, the bridle will change direction of the horse, the wheel will change directions of the ship, and uh, our tongue changes directions of our life. Paul uses this analogy when he talks about the tongue. I mean, James, uh, he uses this analogy when he talks about the tongue. Uh, the bridle, the rudder, the tongue, they're all, they all have something in common, and the thing that they have in common is they all give direction. And see, we have a hard time believing that our tongue directs our body. You know, we think it's, it's my mind, it's my will, I do what I want, but you do what your tongue tells you to do. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Bible says you have what you say, so the things you're saying is setting you up for tomorrow. And that's the thing you're going to have tomorrow, the thing you've been saying, and the thing that you've been believing in your heart. So as little as that brighter is and, and as little as that rudder is, they can change the direction of a powerful horse or a giant ship. And uh, even, even though you have an internal will that's different than the Father's, you can change your direction by starting to speak and say the things that the Word says about you. So it don't make any difference if it's an inner will like the horse or an, an out, outward uh, circumstance like fierce winds driving the ship. You're in control. And that's what we have to understand is about our lives is we're in control of our lives. It's your mind. It's your body. You tell it what to do. You tell it what to think. You tell it how to act. Well, I don't know how to act. Read the Word. The Word will tell you how to act. So James is telling us that your tongue, which is also a little member, like the, the bridle or the rudder, it will change direction for your life and uh, even if it's against your will, you can submit to the Father's will. Or even if it's outside circumstances coming against you, you still have control. Amen. So no, no matter how powerful a force is coming against us, we can still change direction. I don't care how big it is, how powerful it is, how hard the storms of life are hitting us, we can still change direction. But you have to want to. And it, it takes effort on your part. But just like that big ship, if you get off course and start heading in the wrong direction, you turn the wheel and the rudder changes and it changes direction. But it doesn't come around instantly, does it? It takes time for that big ship to turn. But as long as you hold that wheel, it'll turn. And it'll eventually get into the, the direction that you want it to go. But you got to hold the wheel. If you speak the right words with your tongue and then hold it, keep confessing the same thing, then your tongue will turn your life around just like it did that big shit. But don't give up because it didn't happen overnight. Don't give up because it didn't happen right away. Hold that wheel. Hold that confession 
until you start seeing it turn about. Amen? Amen. Don't let go of the wheel. And you know, that's not, this, these things that James is saying here, it's not a theory, it's not an analogy, it is a fact. It is what the Word of God states and the Word of God tells us. Hallelujah. That's why, you know, he said you can control your body and your very nature. In other words, the way you behave, but if you can control your body by speaking to it, and I do this all the time, I always speak to my body. Uh, you know, I don't go according to the symptoms or the way I feel or what the doctor says or what's going on. I keep telling my body what the Word of God says. Amen. I'm holding it. Yes. I'm holding it. And my body's like that big ship is turning. And it's turning. Not as fast as I want it to. I want to make a U-turn right on the dime, but it's not. It's turning. And you gotta have this treatment. You gotta have that treatment. You gotta take this medication. You gotta take that medication. But I still speak what the Word of God says, and I'm still holding that wheel. Amen. I'm holding that confession. Yes. And the devil's telling you, you being silly. You don't know what's going on in. I know exactly what's going on in my body. But it's like my son Chris says, Dad ain't no thing but a chicken wing. <laughs> in other words, don't worry about it. No sweat. You you can handle this. You know. And, and so I keep telling my body that. I keep telling my body what God says about it, not what anybody else says or thinks about it. So James says, even so, the tongue is a little member, and it can boast of great things. He says, see how much wood or how great a force a tiny spark can set ablaze. You know, your, might, your tongue might be small, but you know what a little gossip coming out of that tongue can do, it can destroy a life. Amen. So it's powerful. It can, set, it, can, it can ignite a spark that will set a force on fire. And James is saying, just as that little spark can set a force ablaze to destroy it, or it can set a controllable fire ablaze to keep you warm. You know, Ann has a fireplace. And she... Puts wood in it. It's a real wood burning fireplace. And you use it all the time, don't you? How about if you didn't put that in that controllable environment? You put your wood in the middle of the floor in the living room and set it on fire. See, so that's what I'm saying. You can either have a controllable fire or you can just let it burn the whole house down, burn the forest down. So our words will make us or break us. Uh, if we allow our tongues to speak negative words and doubt and unbelief all the time, then they're going to defeat us every time. Uh, if, you know, you get a bad doctor's report or the devil whispers something in your ear that you're going to die or this, there's no cure for this or whatever, you know, and if you agree with his words, you're going to have exactly that. But if God says no weapon formed against you will prosper and by the stripes that I put on my son's back, on my son's back, you are healed, and you agree with them words, you're gonna be healed. Yes. Amen. So you know, don't let those, don't agree with those words. You know, uh, Amos says, "How can two walk together except they be agreed?" As soon as you agree with those words of the devil, you're walking with him. But if you agree with God's words, you're walking with him. Amen. I'm gonna walk in agreement with God. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's contrary to everything that's in you. Your 
body is powerful and your mind is powerful and your body is telling you one thing, your mind is telling you another thing and they're coming in agreement with each other, but you got to deny it. They know, no, I know that's going on, but that's not what God says. This is what the Word says. And I'm going to walk in agreement with God's Word. Amen? Amen. But how can you walk in agreement if you don't know the Word? got to know the Word. Amen? got to spend some time in the Bible. But when we line up our words with God's words, our tongues will put us over and give us a victory every single time. No matter what comes against us, inner or outer forces, doesn't make any difference. Side journey? I'm not going to meddle, just a little side journey. Sometimes Christians can be the most negative people in the world. Don't look, don't look around, just look straight ahead. But do you know any? You know, we glorify our problems more than we glorify God, or rather than glorifying God. And we have more confidence in the devil's ability than we do in God's ability. Because I'm telling you, when you believe that junk and you side with what the devil says or what other people said, then you're denying what God says. You're walking with the devil when you should be walking with God. You're walking in agreement with negative doubt and unbelief when you should be walking in agreement with God's Word. We looked at it last week. Joshua and Caleb, they walked in agreement with God's Word. The ten spies and the three million or whatever Israelites that sided with the devil's words, they wound up dying in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land 40 years later. Why? They walked in agreement with God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil has most Christians, or a lot of Christians, convinced, or maybe condemned would be a better word, that you're just an unworthy worm, and that you don't deserve anything from God. And, you know, I mean, how can you ask God to heal you when you know what you did? How can you ask God to get you a better job when you know you don't deserve it? Not after what you did. You don't deserve God's grace. You shouldn't even talk to Him. You should be ashamed to even talk to God. You've got a lot of nerve. How can you ask God for anything, you unworthy sinner, you? And you're still doing you know what, so you can't possibly expect God to help you. Straighten that out first and then go to God. You don't deserve it. <laughs> Problem is, is we don't really know who we are in Christ. That's right. And what Christ got wrought for us on the cross. And what Christ wrought for us when he suffered and died for us. It's not a matter whether you deserve something or not because you don't. It's not a matter whether or not you're worthy or not because you're not. Amen. But my Bible tells me that we're the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Christ did for us. Hallelujah. So I don't have to feel righteous. I don't have to look righteous. I don't have to act righteous. I'm made righteous. Amen. Christ made me that way. Yes. Lord God. So instead of calling yourself an unworthy worm that doesn't deserve anything, why don't you say what the Word of God says? I know I'm no worm because God says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. God don't make no junk. And the devil and some people in the form of the devil, 
will call you a liar and ask you who you think you are calling yourself righteous. But you tell them, I didn't say it, God said it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Christ became sin for me so that I could be made the righteousness of God in him. See, people think righteousness is a way of life or they think it's, it's the way that you behave or you have to live a righteous life and never make any mistakes and you have to be perfect. That's how they view righteousness. But righteousness is simply being in right standing with God. So if Christ died for my sins and I received that sacrifice and I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I'm back in right standing with God. He made me that way. That's what being righteous is. I'm righteous because I'm in right standing with God. Yeah, but what if I sinned? What if I did? What if I did that? Don't change your position. That don't change your position with God. It just makes you a naughty child, and you need to ask forgiveness. But He He doesn't take your righteousness away. He don't take your salvation away. He doesn't take your healing away. He just uh, just loves us. He just continues to love us. He wants us to change. He wants us to do what's right. And that's why we have the Holy Ghost living inside of us. He convicts you. Yes. He don't condemn you. He convicts you. Hallelujah. And he, He'll let you know what's in your heart needs to come out. He'll let you know when you need to repent. And then you make the choice whether or not you're going to repent. Amen. I'm righteous because God made me righteous. I'm righteous because it's a free gift and I accepted it. That's it. Yeah. You know, can my works make me righteous? No. Can the way I live make me righteous? No. Am I worthy of his righteousness? No. Then how can I claim to be righteous? Because he said I am. That's right. They think you're in pride and you're trying to be spiritual. But being spiritual is simply lining up with God's word, saying what God says. And true humility is, is simply admitting that you know God is right and he knows more than you do. That's what real humility is. True humility says, I don't feel worthy of righteousness. But Lord, if you said I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, who am I to argue? Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to humble myself to your word. I'm going to submit myself to your word. I'm going to submit my will to your will and believe what you said, no matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what I feel like on the inside, and no matter what anybody says about me, I'm going to go with what you say about me. Hallelujah. Romans 3.22 says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all it takes. You want to be right with God? Put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. So it's available to anybody. I'm nobody special. I'm not righteous because I'm special. He didn't make me righteous because I'm special. He made me righteous because I accepted the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Yes. I made Him Lord of my life, and He made me righteous and made me a child of God. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Side journey over. Back to James. He said we can use our tongues to light a warm fire or burn our forest down. 
And personally, I prefer that my spark set a fire to warm me rather than destroy the force of God's blessing in my life. Amen. So I made a decision. I'm choosing to line up my words with God's words. I'm going to start saying what God says. Whether I feel like it, whether I look like it, whether it seems like it, whether somebody else says something contrary to that, I'm going to say who God says I am. We got a little more time. Can you take a little more? Yeah. Oh yeah, come on. Proverbs six two says, "Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth." So in other words, the words that come out of your mouth can either uh, snare you or entrap you, just like a trap for a bird or a trap for an animal. The words that come out of your mouth can trap you and ensnare you. And a paraphrase version says, you are taken captive with the words of your own mouth. You're taken captive with the words of your own mouth. And you know, there's, there's concrete and bars and type of prisons. And then there's a spiritual prison that we can put ourselves in that's worse than any concrete prison with bars. Amen? Amen. I mean, we hold ourselves back by things that we believe or things that we say and things that we think. And, and in reality, you place yourself in captivity because you're not thinking what God thinks. And you're thinking what somebody said about you. Or you're thinking about what your father or big brother or even your mother might have said about you that you'll never amount to anything. So you put yourself in this spiritual prison and you can't break out of it because you you believe them and you you agree with what they said. I will never amount to anything. Ain't even trying. Ain't no sense in putting that application in. You're not going to hire me. And you're in a prison that's worse than cement and bars. And the only way you can get out of it is to change your mind, change your way of thinking, change your nature, and, and start thinking like God thinks. Amen. Start saying the things that God says about you. You're held captive with the words of your own mouth. And when someone finds themselves in captivity more times than not, it was their words that put them there. Look at, look at Job, for example. He's an upright man that avoided evil at all costs, but he went into captivity because of his words. Job 42.10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. In other words, the Lord set him free from his captivity, so he must have been in captivity if he had to be set free. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. In other words, God set Job free when he prayed for his friends. And it wasn't the prayer that he prayed, it was the fact that he wouldn't pray for him before. But when his attitude changed, and he realizes that, that they needed to be prayed for, and he prayed for them, God set him free. Amen. See, Job first got himself into trouble through fear. I mean, his own words put him into captivity. He said this, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Job's 3.25. So he said it out of his own mouth, and he put himself in captivity. He's saying, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. I doubted God's goodness. I doubted God's ability to bless me and protect my family. And as a result, 
I don't have any peace, I don't have any rest, and I thought my good fortune was too good to be true. You know, when God blesses you, you can't sit there and say, I don't deserve this. It's too good to be true. You know, a lot of Christians talk like that. Everything is going great in their lives, but yet they'll still speak negative words. Man, this can't last. This is too good to be true. I know something's going to go wrong. I know I'm going to blow it. I always do. And sometimes they'll talk themselves right out of the good things that are happening in their life. And, and at the same time, they put themselves in captivity to that kind of poor man's mentality. Well, God blessed me with a new car, and I really don't deserve it. I wish you would have given it to somebody else. Not me. Give me two cars. And I'll give one of them away. Don't ever get that. That's, you know, we think that's humility. That's a poor man's mentality. That's right. Just bless me, we three, us four, but no more. No. Overbless me. Bless me abundantly so that I can bless somebody else. Lord. And let's Lord. spread this thing. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You need a car, pray for two. Amen. You need a new job, pray for two new jobs. Give one of them away. Give somebody else a lead. See, when, when something good comes into your life, say, glory to God, because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Yes. Amen. And so if something good happens to you, it came from God. If something bad happens to you, it came from the devil. Don't accept that. Come on. And refuse what God gives you. Thank you, Lord. Reject what the devil's trying to give you and accept what God gives you. Yes. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to give you a, a, a stinking disease. And God wants to heal you from it. Yes. Amen. You agree with the devil before you agree with God. And you call yourself spiritual and humble. That's not spiritual and humble. That's stupid. Amen. God gives you something good to say. Glory to God. Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. This must be a taste of it. I like it, God. Give me some more. Amen. Oh, that's prideful. Lord. That's not being humble. No, it ain't. I'm just claiming what God gave me. That's right. I'm claiming God's promises. Yes. You know, our future is so affected by the words that we speak today. And, and if that's true, which it is, I choose to speak God's words. Yes. I want to speak God's words over my life, over my circumstances, over my body. I want to speak words of life in every situation. And a blessed, healthy future is going to be the result of that. Yes. If I'm framing the world today, if I'm framing the world today with the words that I'm speaking, I'm gonna I'm gonna build me a mansion. Amen. Yes. Let's go. I'm gonna frame me a good house. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. 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 See, James said, by the words of our mouths, we control the direction of our life. And like I said, it's not just an, an analogy. That's God's word. God's That's told right. James to yes. say that. Yes. Amen. It's a fact. Yes. If you control your mouth, you control your life. Yes. And like I said, guard your heart with all yes. diligence. Be careful what goes into it because if you allow it in, yes. it's going to come out yes, sooner or later. Sir. Don't let it in to begin with. That's right. Amen. 
So speak what God says about you. Speak what God says about your circumstances. Yes. You know, and I use this phrase a lot because it's it's one of it's one of the phrases that keeps me going most of the time, you know. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I got it on the back of a shirt, right, brother? Yes, there. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's right. And, and you know, that tells me that God says weapons will be formed. Yes. Whether it's sickness and disease or a financial mishap or get laid off. These are all weapons the devil uses and forms them against us, but they don't have to prosper. Amen. So no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I stand on that word all the time because the weapons have been formed against me. The weapons have been fired at me. And I hold up my my faith shield. Punches every fiery dart of the enemy. That's right. And I keep confessing what God says. Yes. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. Look at your shield. Yeah. You look at it because they're all in the shield. They ain't in me. That's right. And I just keep saying, no weapon formed against me will prosper. The weapon's been formed, but it's not going to prosper. And as soon as you start thinking it's prospering, because you got a bad report this week and a worse report next week, and you agree with that report, he's going to win, and you're going to lose. That's why you say, I don't walk by sight. I don't walk by how I feel. Mm -hmm. I don't walk by the circumstances that are around me. I only walk by what the Word of God says. Instead of moaning and groaning and complaining and whining and crying about the negative things that are happening in your life, it's just as easy to say that my life keeps getting better and better every day. Blessings are overtaking me more and more every day. I can't use this example because it wouldn't be nice, but there's certain things that I have to do very often and they're uncomfortable and they're a pain in the neck. But Pastor Ed pointed out to me, you know, that you know it might be a pain in the neck now, and it might be an inconvenience, because this thing keeps me up and it gets me up every hour, hour and fifteen minutes, you know. Yes. Yes. And then between yes. that and going back to sleep and you know, I'm lucky if I get three hours broken sleep every night. You know, and I walk around like a zombie. But then she made me realize, at least you could do the thing that's Amen. inconveniencing that's you. It. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people can't even do what you're doing. Yes, that's right. And they're in trouble. Yes. So, you know, uh, it's going to the bathroom. I just going, yes. You know. And now when I go to the bathroom, thank God I can go to the bathroom, Lord. It's not every hour, hour, but thank God I can go to the bathroom. It's right. So rather than glorify the devil with the negative thing, I'm going to glorify God and turn it into a positive thing. That's right. And you can do that with every circumstance in your life. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word. Thank you, Lord. God, I hope it helps somebody today. I hope it bless somebody today, God. I hope we start watching the words that come out of our mouth. But even more importantly, I pray that we start watching what we allow to go into our hearts. Because like that $20 bill you're reaching for in your pocket, if it was never put in there, you can't get it out. And so when we make sure that certain things don't get into our hearts or the ones that already got in, we purge them out. 
and we keep a clean heart and a good heart, then you said only good things can come from a good heart. And only evil things can come from an evil heart. So we want to purge our hearts. We want to have clean, good things in our heart. So when we open our mouth, that's all that can come out. It's good and perfect things. Lord, things that speak life and bring life and bring health and bring healing and bring blessing to other people. James, so that no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth except that which is good to the use of edifying, yes. that it may bring grace to the to the hearer. Hallelujah. Negative, doubtful, hurtful things don't bring grace to anybody. Thank you, Lord. So help us to speak the good things, the good word of God yes. come out of our hearts. Speak yes. those things. Uh, to people yeah. and lift them up and bring them grace and encourage them and give them life and bring them life. Yeah. We thank you and we praise you for it. Help us to walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this teaching, just like last week, just simple, basic teaching. But you know what? Sometimes we need that. Amen. You don't need a revelation, you don't need a groundbreaking. Uh, revelation every time I come up here to preach. Sometimes you just need the basic every day, get me through this day type of word. Amen. And that's what you're getting right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, I don't know if the kids are done yet or tonight. Just have some fellowship till we get done. All right. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.